And, 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 you know, peace officer is very unique for public safety officers because that's what our role is. As an officer, we bring peace. We mm-hmm. bring calm and comfort to a situation. And that is the most important concept or principle when someone wants to get into law enforcement because you have to be open minded. You have to come as peaceful as you possibly can. And to me, that rolls into whatever the situation may be. So peace is very important and it's one of those characteristics that you can't train that. But through experience and dialogue and interacting with people, you better learn how to present yourself in a peaceful manner. And then it brings about a calm in whatever the situation may be. Peace and the officer piece is important because that's appearance. That officer, you're given that title because the way you appear, you appear clean, you're crisp, you're sincere, automatically it de-escalates situations. And that's an important part of what we do every single day. I love that. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the America's Podcast, where we're learning what it means to become a next-level neighbor. My name is John Schroeder, and today I am joined by uh, Sheriff Eric Bryant. Eric, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And again, I'm Eric Bryant, Sheriff here in Sumter County, native of Sumter County, born and raised here in Sumter County, Georgia, and we're just glad to be here today. Eric, I got a chance to meet you for the first time because you actually brought a gift from your wife that was also uh, a guest on the podcast, and she is just an inspirational person. I check on Facebook and just see what she's doing, but you came by to give us a gift, actually these mugs, these coffee mugs, and I was so encouraged by that because this is the first time I met you, and you didn't just come as as a friend and as a neighbor, but you came as the sheriff, and you you let me know, hey, if you need anything, here goes my number. Here's how you can get in contact with me. What a great example of what it means to be a good neighbor. So thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for representing us as a new neighbor here. I'm thinking, wow, if this is our sheriff, we've got a lot of things going. So thank you so much for that. And so as a police officer, as a sheriff, Mm -hmm. this idea of being a peace officer is a real thing to you. So could you give us a basic example or definition of what it means to be peace, to have peace, and then what are some basic ingredients for any community to be peaceful? Peace. And, 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 you know, peace officer is very unique for public safety officers because that's what our role is. As an officer, we bring peace. We Mm. bring calm and comfort to a situation, and that is the most important concept or principle when someone wants to get into law enforcement because you have to be open-minded. You have to come as peaceful as you possibly can. And to me, that rolls into whatever the situation may be. So peace is very important. And it's one of those characteristics that you can't train that. But through experience and dialogue and interacting with people, you better learn how to present yourself in a peaceful manner. And then it brings about a calm in whatever the situation may be. Peace and the officer piece is important because that's appearance. That officer, you're given that title because the way you appear, you appear clean, you're crisp, you're sincere, automatically it de-escalates situations. And that's an important part of what we do every single day. 
I love that. Mm-hmm. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for sharing that. Yes. And I completely agree with that. Yes. We're going to kind of step in a little bit more about what you do and how mm-hmm. we can see that in the city. But tell me a little bit about you personally gotcha. growing up. Yes. You said in your form that you were born and raised here in America. Yes. So yes. tell me a little bit about your family dynamics. Gotcha. What were you, what, what kind of kid were you? What kind of youth were you? Tell awesome. us a little bit about that. Awesome. Of course, I graduated here at the uh, local high school, America's High School. I... Uh, Born and raised again right here in America. So I have parents, Mac and Shirley Pope, that I resided with my entire childhood life. But I was very unique. My father was my stepfather. However, I had a relationship with my biological family's, my biological father's family. Okay. He wasn't in town at the time. But it's almost like when you look up blessed, you see Eric Bryant. I had three families. And one of the things that those families collectively and in their own way shaped me for who I am today. I spent a lot of time with my great grandmother. She was in her late 80s as I was a young child, if you will. Every weekend, every holiday, my direct path was to my great grandmother's house. She lived in the country, John. There was nothing there, nobody. The most excitement on a given day, especially during the summer, would be the mailman pulling in the yard. And one of the things it taught me was how to be creative, how to self-entertain, connect to nature. As tall as I am, people would have thought I was athletic, didn't like sports. But if you gave me a stick, you gave me dirt, um, you gave me a piece of equipment, that's where you would find Eric Bryant. And it wasn't with a whole lot of people. It was primarily me. But during that interaction with my great-grandmother, and of course my families, because I'm still with mom and dad during the week. I'm with great-grandmama, grandmama on the weekends, holidays, and things like that. She and I had a lot of conversation. My great-grandmother was a very religious woman. Mm. She was faithful to the point where you didn't really talk loud on Sunday. It's certain things you didn't do outside on Sunday. She believed in the concept of worship and rest. Mm. That's what you did on Sundays, but that gave us a chance to talk. My great-grandmother was a midwife. She birthed hundreds of children in Sumter County, Georgia, but just having that conversation, I think gave me the quality of patience and peace. You know, great-grandmothers at the age of now she's mid-90s, and not very loud, but at the same time, the words they speak are powerful. I was the one, even at the young teenage age now, that makes sure that the money got where it need to go. You know, it's time to pay taxes, so you go over here and you go over there. You know, I was that kid for my great-grandmother because at that time, all of her children was grown with their own families and gone. So her, her actually, her granddaughter um, actually stayed at the home with her, but I was the only male there. Mm-hmm. So I took care of the male duties in the household. And interacting with her, and as I got older, being around my very diverse family. I have older brothers and sisters, and I have one brother that's younger than I. But they actually kind of shaped me into the role of how I am today. And I cherish that because one of the things that I've always wanted to do, even as a a small kid, there was a gentleman that was a deputy sheriff at the time, and he still resides here in America, Charles Pines. We had a trespasser on the family farm out in the country. Again, remember, the only activity we got was family or the mailman. Yeah. 
So he came out in his patrol car. We had someone trespassing on the farm. He checked the area, came back and checked with her, and he lived down the street from me. Mm. Seeing him in uniform, seeing his patrol car parked down the street when I was at home during the weekdays going back and forth to school was my inspiration. I want to be that man. I want to have that car. I want to wear that uniform. I want to look just like he looked in uniform. And I don't even know to this day if he realizes it, but that was someone that I watched at a young age. So from that point, when we were playing cops and robbers, if I couldn't be the cop, I wasn't playing. If we're actually interacting, I wanted to be the hero of the moment. Mm. And that was from childhood. From that point, I had a cousin to join our local sheriff's office, and he was just as sharp in uniform. And I think I still have one of his photographs in uniform when he worked at the sheriff's office. And this was in the, the 80s, but always had those individuals. I was so inspired to be in law enforcement at a young age. I applied for the Merrick's Police Department when I was a sophomore in high school. And I'll never forget the late James Green wrote me a letter back. Thank you for your interest, but you're a little too young at age 14, you know, applying for a police officer position. But here in America, at that time when I was young, sitting on the front porch, couldn't go to the country because it's a school day, mm -hmm. so a school night, so I had to stay at home. So I'm there at home with family and friends there in the neighborhood. But when the police cars went by, there might have been an emergency down the road. We lived at a major intersection, I would say, here in America, where there's a lot of traffic. But if there was an emergency, I was right there on the front porch. If there was sirens, I'm the one that's at the door. At the In high school, John, I carried a scanner my entire high school career. And I, it was allowed because I knew how to turn it off and keep it turned down. But I knew what was going on. But that I knew also that that was my calling to mm -hmm. be in law enforcement. And I strive from, from graduation day, working towards that mission of getting into law enforcement. And at that time, it was one of the most difficult jobs to get into. Mm. I applied for Georgia State Patrol, because they sharp too. Mm -hmm. I missed the push-ups by one. They're serious about their physical fitness part of it, but I didn't stop there. And the opportunity was given, but I think that those characteristics, my diverse family interacting with a lot of older people. Mm -hmm. If that was a group of kids down the street playing basketball, I may hang out for a while, but I would be the guy over there hanging out with dad, granddad, uncle. You know, hey, how do you build that? Hey, we're going to plant this garden. Mm -hmm. And even in my high school career as well, I had a cousin and I had uncles. And if it was time to uh, farm or plant the garden, if it was time to repair a water leak or, or fix a board, that's what Eric Bryant was. I, I really didn't interact. I didn't care to at this point because mm -hmm. I was so intrigued about learning. Yeah. But I think those qualities gave me the ability to learn and understand people because yeah. even in the midst of that, I was interacting with people at a young age. Always on Sundays, you was in church. You was in church every Sunday. That's what you done. Mm -hmm. And that was a certain attire, even as a child, that I had to wear when I went to church. And today, my wife and I kid about this. If I go to church without a jacket, I feel like I have just disobeyed mm -hmm. everything I was taught because that was one of the things I was taught. But even then, you're interacting with older people and listening at them, following their directive. But at the same time, I think what was sticking to me the most is how they applied a directive. Yeah. My worst punishment came from my grandmother one time, and she did not hit me not one time. Mm. She scolded me verbally 
from home to church one Sunday. That conversation, I think, hurt me more than I, I it was almost like, just give me a whooping. Mm -hmm. Because it kind of talked about things and, you know, grandmothers and, and aunties and uncles and parents, they use examples. So you think about that and you can relate to why whatever that behavior might have been was inappropriate at that time. Yeah. All of those qualities and people, and, and, and I never take it for granted, mm -hmm. the people that was in my life each and every day. Yeah, that's and what massive. they did, they made me. That's massive. Yes, I mean, because yes. I think about, I'm even talking to my son who's 12, and we've been talking about this idea of pursuing purpose more than worldly pleasure Correct. and having those goals set in your mind yes. because there's so much to distract you from yes. from the everyday uh, things that need to be done so that creates this person who is uh, just driven in, in the right ways. Yes. And so uh, that it's amazing to me because... Obviously, you're, you're built, the, God has built you in a certain yes. way, but then you took advantage of that as yes. well, um, and you had some people pouring into you, exactly. um, people that knew what it meant to be dedicated to something, Correct. to do the mundane things exactly. every day and see them as something to cherish exactly. and not something to say, well, I'm only doing this because I want to do something greater. Exactly. It's, I'm really enjoying this yes. because I believe that it has purpose in exactly. it. Um, so, so tell me a little bit about those, any specific values. I mean, mm -hmm. just integrity, grit, um, sacrifice mm -hmm. that you just really were attracted to as you were growing up and you were describing some of those things. And, and, and being around the older people in my life, of course, you always told the truth. Mm. Even if it got you in trouble and you would see the benefits of telling the truth. Now, granted, yep. if it yep. was something bad, you're going to be punished, but they taught you the values of telling the truth. Mm -hmm. The other thing I think was managing business. And when I say business, money, your lifestyle, your scheduling and what you do. You know, it wouldn't be fair for you to promise dad that you're going to help him cut the lawn, but at the same time, promise your uncle that you're going to help him with the family garden. You have to plan and have those conversations mm. because that teaches you how to, uh, of course, be, I guess, flexible, but at the same time, the truth yeah. in that to being like, you know, dad, I really can't help you today with the grass, but tomorrow, mm. because today I promised my uncle that we were going to finish the garden. And even that with friends, you know, making commitments yes. that you don't keep. I, I just think that the word is so important. There, there's a local business down in South Georgia where they advertise that a handshake still means something. Oh, yeah. To yeah, me, yeah. your word still means something. And, and I take that to heart even today. Yes. When you commit to someone or something, stay with that. So those would be some of the characteristics, just being responsible, being uh, truthful, um, and, and yeah. of course, being a respecting everybody. Yeah. Remember, I'm around a lot of older people. Now, mm -hmm. me and my friends hung out. Me and my, my buddies, we had a good time, and, and we would hang out in their houses. But if mom and dad said something... Mm. You would thought you would have thought they were talking to me because mm -hmm. I'm the one reacting because respect is also one of the characteristics that was talked. Even if adults are talking, mm -hmm. as a lad, a teenager, or a younger person, you wait until those adults finish. So yeah. respect, being truthful, and being responsible was some of the things that was poured into me yes. with the families that I was surrounded around. And, and it's so unique. 
I think I had families in every section of this county. Mm -hmm. And as I got older, I even learned that this family over on the east side, I was related to them. Mm -hmm. So now that element, as I got older, came in and you began to meet and interact with other family members that you didn't know you had. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's amazing. Yes. It reminds me, I, I've talked to my, my children about this because, like you said, growing up, this idea of being truthful, mm -hmm. um, I pitch it this way to my children. I said, when, when we lie, we create a person that does not exist. Correct. And so if we need to deal with something, yes. then I'm speaking to my daughter who's telling me something that mm -hmm. never happened. And so therefore, now I don't know my daughter the way Correct. that I knew her five minutes ago. Correct. And so I'd rather love and cherish my daughter yes. who has told me the truth than love and cherish a daughter that does not exist. Exactly. But that even comes into when we're talking about being in, in a society with citizens mm -hmm. and community that the more and more, even we have to deal with difficult things Correct. when we meet someone on the street or when we're uh, dealing with someone, you know, the more honest that someone can be, mm -hmm the more we get to know that person. And I know Correct. that they might not want us to know that person. Exactly. But that's who they are. Yes. And and I would rather talk to a real person exactly. than someone who is trying to create someone that doesn't exist. And I think right. that it, it doesn't just hurt the relationship, but also hurts the person's soul. Exactly. And I tell that to my, my daughter all the time, yes. that there's a, there's a soul thing that's happening. Yes. You're creating something in yourself that now you have to maintain for the rest of your life. Exactly. So when you tell a lie at seven, you're going to have to maintain that lie exactly. for the next 40, 50 years. Exactly. What does that do to your soul? Exactly. And so these are the kind of things that frees you up to have joy, to have Most peace, definitely. to be able to enjoy life, even though you're dealing with the difficulties of mm -hmm. what those things have happened. At least there's a peace that you have in your exactly. life. So would you agree with that? Or? And, and most definitely, because it also, what I, what I encourage people that I talk to is that once you're untruthful, now you got to A, remember that untruth you told, B, worry as to whether or not that untruth may get revealed in something else or someone else. Mm -hmm. So now all of that extra work has been created that could have been avoided mm -hmm. had we told the truth initially. Okay, you spill the Kool-Aid on the floor, mm -hmm. so now let's talk about how we get it up. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about where the mop is. Let's talk about where those tools are. And even with my seven-year-old, we talk about how now we could have cleaned that up Mm -hmm. Dad wouldn't have had to address that when I got home. Now that took 30 minutes away from playtime. That's right. And that's another strategy, but that is so important. And even in our everyday lives, mm -hmm. it can help. It, it takes less energy yes. to be truthful. You don't have to remember the line or the untruth that you told and how creative you was in it. Yeah. But being truthful, it comes so natural. Mm -hmm. It's just like breathing. It's just like mm -hmm. blinking out of an eye. That's natural, what yeah. you're used to doing. And that's another analogy that I use about telling the truth mm. all the time, whether or not it's going to benefit or may be the consequences to follow. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. Yep. Well, growing up, what are some challenges to those values that you had to process that it reinforced some of those values mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or maybe even had to, to, to change or modify some of your values to make you who you are today. So what are some challenges you've experienced? One of the things I experienced is that being in a family as large as our family was, my great grandmother was very religious and it's certain things that she just did not tolerate mm -hmm. where in my mind, I thought that, okay, it'll be okay. Example, relatives come home from out of time, boyfriend and girlfriend thought 
that they were going to share the same bed in my great-grandmother's house. Mm-hmm. That's a no-no. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I'm thinking, well, they traveled 14 hours to get here. We got this family reunion plan. We don't want to hurt their feelings. Mm-hmm. And even in that moment, she took the time to explain, well, if it's permitted this one time, mm-hmm. then in your mind, you're going to think it's okay for the next time. Mm-hmm. So those qualities meaning being truthful and upfront. Mm-hmm. Grandmother could have easily just faked it that weekend or that week to allow that to go on that she knew in her heart and in her mind was not the right thing to do. But everybody respected her more. Arrangements came about. She was truthful. And in the end of the conversation, it will always be, and I still love you, mm-hmm. but that's not going to happen. And that would just be one example of the values in standing firm. Yeah. As a child, I didn't have a lot of the bells and whistles that parents or children had, nor did I know anything about my parents' finances, whether they was in trouble, whether they were running low on finances for the month or for the week. I never knew any of that Mm. because I was allowed to stay in a child's place. As I got around other families, I saw how conflict was handled. I remember, and even to this day, and my parents don't even remember this, they was having a family card game one night. Over a card game, it got so tense until people left, doors were slamming. My mom and dad didn't talk for a couple of days. Mm. Over a card game. And I promised myself that I would never allow anything to get me that angry. I was afraid for a little while Even though they came back around, friends eventually came back around. But in my mind, and as I got older, you all stopped being friends over a card game. Mm. You argued to the point where it woke you up, woke the kids up in the house over a card game. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that example taught me is that there is going to be conflict. Mm -hmm. But now let's look at the other ways we could resolve that conflict versus separating for a period of time. And I was able to see that through family and friends in my large family, but I also saw how someone would be the bigger person. Someone would say, hey, come on, give me a hug. Let's talk about this. But there were times where you would have family that maybe, they might have skipped a reunion Mm -hmm. over something that happened two reunions ago. But I was able to see when that fourth or fifth reunion came back, that reunitement, that that mm-hmm. apology, or that forgive and forget. And That's those huge. things I was able to apply not only in childhood when dealing with conflict and maybe having issues even with friends or classmates. You know, mm-hmm. one of my friends, he could work on bicycles. He was a handyman. He had all the tools. And in my mind, I wanted to work on them as well, but I didn't have as many tools as he had. But What I found by him, he and I being friends, I quickly learned whatever tools he had, he was willing to share them with me and vice versa. So now I'm over here with a pair of pliers and a screwdriver. He has a whole socket set. We work on it together. And those are things that values that's taught at a young age Mm -hmm. and we're able to apply in everyday life and still applying today. Wow. That's Mm -hmm. a huge encouragement. Let me ask you this. Growing up, knowing at a very young age that you wanted to be in law enforcement, Mm -hmm. 
How did your family react to that? How did your extended family say, you want to be a police officer? You want to pursue being an officer? Were they like, yes, go? Or were they saying, why? So in my family, remember, I got three sets of families here now. Yep. I only had a cousin that was in law enforcement. So yes, it was, <laughs> why? You know, you want to do that? You, you want to interact with people that are doing bad things? You want to mm-hmm. go over there? So it wasn't the fun thing. Mm-hmm. But I had an uncle one time tell me, he said, well, in order to be in law enforcement, you have to toughen up some. You know, because again now, yeah. I'm around a lot of older people, so mm-hmm. I never really had that that match with my teenage friend or, mm-hmm. or even an elementary school friend. I never really had confrontation with them because at school, we're a controlled environment. At home, mm-hmm. I'm gone. Yep. So now it was almost like, we got to toughen you up. You know, I, I guess you still want to do that. So we got to toughen you up. So in high school, military kept coming up okay. in my household. And of course, I'm watching these different programs and understanding more about the different concepts of military. Mm-hmm. But the thing that stood out was the Marine Corps. And it was the walk. I yeah. said, now, if they could walk like that, then that could be the one thing that I could do to be tough enough mm-hmm. to be able to manage whatever encounter I may have to be in law enforcement. So immediately after high school, and when I say immediately, I'm talking Friday evening graduation, Saturday morning pack, Sunday afternoon on the bus. Wow. Immediately after high school, that was my next step going into the military. Mm -hmm. So you had to have that same skills to toughen up, Mm -hmm. but the life skills taught was able to teach me the balance of understanding and applying. So off to the Marine Corps I go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How long did you serve in the, for the Marines? I was in the Marine Corps, and I went reserve status. Okay. So what that allowed me to do, because, of course, family wanted to get education. Education mm-hmm. was also important in the household, but at the same time, we knew we had to have some financial support for education. So in the reserve program at that time, they had the um, military educational grants that automatically applied. So now I go active duty. I do mm-hmm. my six months of active duty, basic training. I do my war your training, it was called. Now I'm back home in my community. I'm enrolled in college. I bought my first car. I am ready now to start the life of adulthood. So mm-hmm. now I finished Marine Corps. I've seen way more at this time I was about to say, than I yeah. wanted to see ever in my life. Because mm-hmm. now I live from, and, and the road that I was raised on in the country is Cowpen Road is the name of it today. Okay. Cowpen Road. So you're thinking cows to California, to Paris Island, South Carolina, to Japan. And those are three places that I was able to explore the first time I had been away more than one state Mm -hmm. out of Sumter County, out of the state of Georgia and out of Sumter County. Mm -hmm. We go to Florida all the time, but that was a one trip. Yep. I remember the one time we went to Kentucky. We didn't go north anymore. We always went south. (laughs) But at the same time, the Marine Corps gave me exposure to other elements of the world. So mm-hmm. now I'm back, I'm in school, but I'm remembering what I saw. I'm remembering how people interacted in different areas, trying to build Eric Bryant at that time and mm-hmm. still get an education. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you coming back, Yes. Did, did your uncle say, oh yeah, you look shaped up, you look ready to go? Or <laughs> They said when I got back from basic training, 
they didn't feed the baby. Because, of course, in the Marine Corps, you did a lot of exercise. And so I was a chubby kid in high school. Mm -hmm. So when I came back, I was the anorexic kid when I came back. And and I ate too fast, and that's why I wasn't gaining any weight. So so people was like, is, is that Eric? Yeah, that, that's Eric. You know, yeah. And that's what the Marine Corps does when you that's first right. come back. But they also saw a no-nonsense Eric. Mm-hmm. They saw he's about business Eric. They saw he's for real yeah. about this passion of law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And during my college studies, it was, it was, it was boring because now... I'm in a confined setting. I'm sitting. I'm yeah. in a classroom. I'm listening. Yeah, yeah. I want to be out moving. I want to be out doing something. Mm-hmm. So now I'm having to motivate myself for schooling to maintain a, a decent grade point average, but at the same time satisfy the requirements of the United States Marine Corps because now as a reservist, I have to report to the base once a month. And yes. that was part of my commitment to get compensated there as well as receiving my supplemental pay for going to school for it. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. So, all right, so tell me about the transition between that period of time and now currently, how long have you been uh, the the county sheriff? Mm -hmm. How did you get that, that, that job? Okay, well, of course, again, Marine Corps College, during my college career, remember, I'm a reservist now, so I'm only having to commit to the military um, one weekend out of the month, two weeks out of the summer. Again, giving me exposure. You know, Mm -hmm. I had a chance to go out to uh, California. I had a chance to go to uh, 29 Palms, California. Never been there in my life. Mm -hmm. But I'm living back in Sumter County. So now I'm able to apply for Mm -hmm. local jobs. And again, I had already applied with the police department. Wasn't quite uh, old enough. I applied again with the police department, applied with the Georgia State Patrol. Mm -hmm. I also applied for the Sumter County Sheriff's Office. Okay. Remember, State Patrol, I missed it by one push-up. I was like, I'm in the Marines. I went to college and one Mm push-up? So then I get a call from the sheriff's office, Mm -hmm. interested in working in the jail at that time. And this was in 1996. Okay. I was hired as a jailer in 1996. And from that point on, the foundation had already been set with family, education, Mm -hmm. The Marine Corps had taught me way more than I ever cared to know, almost scared me to yeah. things that I thought I would never see in my life. Because again, I'm coming from Calpian Road to Hollywood, California, mm-hmm. up on those signs and things with other Marines, by the way. Yeah. But now I get an opportunity to put on my uniform. Mm-hmm. And I remind that when I said that about the Andy Griffin show, you know, Ernest T. Bass, all he wanted was his uniform. Mm-hmm. But I was able to be given my uniform and I started working here at the Sumter County Jail as a jailer at that time in 1996. Mm-hmm. Now I'm able to interact with people. I'm able to de-escalate situations. I'm able to conduct paperwork, um, work on the computers. I'm able to physically Mm. You know, separate or restrain when needed. But at the same time, the way I carried myself, mm-hmm. people also knew, okay, he for real. You know, yeah. you're not going to slip anything by him. He's for real about what he's doing. And that set the foundation. Now I'm interacting with other law enforcement officers because working in the jail in Sumter County, mm-hmm. it was right downtown, right down the street here. You had a chance to interact with the police officers bringing people to jail the State Patrol, GBI, game warms, all these different uniforms coming in. And you had a moment at that time to have conversations with mm-hmm. them. 
Now I'm deciding which career path I want to go. Yep. At that time, working at a county agency, now I can better not only the community that I know, but even the family that I know. Because at that time, working with the state patrol, they may send you North Georgia, South Georgia, mm-hmm. somewhere you don't know. Working in the city, well, then I won't be able to swing by Granny's house mm-hmm. for lunch or get to let them see me in my uniform. That's right, yeah. This was the choice for me. Mm. And that's why I started working with men and women at the Sumter County Sheriff's Office that gave me the opportunity. The sheriff at that time gave me privileges to do different things. I think one of my most daring assignments as a young detention officer, by the way, once I went to the police academy in 1996 to become a deputy sheriff, I was the youngest in the class. I was wow. 18 years old in the police academy. At that time, I would have been, well, not would have been, I was able to possess a gun and arrest you, but I could not buy a beer. So my <laughs> yeah, first yeah. undercover That's assignment oh, no. was working undercover and buying alcohol at different establishments that were selling to undercover. Wow. I was so scared. I was so scared, but at the same time excited because now, remember, I'm looking like police. Mm-hmm. Everywhere I went, they was like, you the police because, you know, yeah. we didn't really mess up my hair. I didn't let my beard grow out or anything. Right. I'm still kind of clean cut shaven. So I yeah. had to realize when you're working on the cover, you got to look a little rugged. <laughs> That's right. And That's right. But that gave me an opportunity to not only know I like law enforcement mm-hmm. because, you know, yesterday I was actually helping, and this is in my younger career of law enforcement, I was helping uh, move a herd of cows across a major highway. Okay. Tonight I'm working undercover buying alcohol at establishments, seeing if they'll sell it to me, and then, of course, bringing that back. So just exposure and the experiences, I knew law enforcement is for me, and it started from that point. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, let's talk a little bit about today and what this kind of looks like. So if if someone wanted to get into law enforcement, but they, they, they weren't too sure about maybe the sheriff's office or just uh, in within the city, what is your pitch? Like, how do you mm-hmm. pitch it to other people about law enforcement and what you gotcha. guys do? And, and one of the things that I pitch for people to work, it, it's about accessibility. You know, working in a county sheriff's office you have access to the city limits as well as the county limits. You have a more a larger area to police, which you like doing. But then also, I tell people all the time, well, now, if you're the type that don't like dark roads or dirt roads, or you're the type that really don't do strange noises in the wood line, then probably working in a rural law enforcement agency is not for you. Because even in today's time, First, applicants are going to be looking for the dollar. They're going to be looking for how much money I'm going to make. Mm-hmm. I also pitch being able to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Even now when I go out talking to different uh, potential employees or career fairs, yeah. what an opportunity to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Whether it's in your own house, in your own neighborhood, here in your own community, what can you do to make a difference? And sometimes people are so, they feel so restricted. Well, what can I do? They're not going to listen to me. But just the mere presence. Mm-hmm. Because guess what I found? When you park that patrol car in that neighborhood, mm-hmm. you're going to have less speeders in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you walk out or walk into that establishment in uniform, looking like you want to wear that uniform, mm-hmm. people are going to say, I want to be like him. And then they're going to start their career like I did 
Mm-hmm. Don't even worry about how much money you make. Mm-hmm. Now it's about making a difference. It's about making people's lives so that when a situation arises or we disagree, yep. we can still be friends. We can still be family. We can forgive and move on yeah. because that's how those qualities apply. And those are the things that I tell people. Hey, yeah. come out here with me and let's make a difference. You know, you complain every day about mm-hmm. this activity in this neighborhood. You complain about these children doing this. Well, I tell you what, mm-hmm. help me make a difference. Help me encourage that young person right there to make a difference. And that alone, John, mm-hmm. it gets people attention, especially the ones that are sincere about working in law enforcement. Yeah, yeah. So what kind of, um, when you're looking at applicants, what kind of values or what, what are you looking for in a person, and what are you also not looking for in a person that comes and says, hey, I want to work in law enforcement? Well, John, one of the, 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 the abilities or qualities that I'm blessed with, application is a formality. You know, you have to do that paper thing. You, know, you have to do the background check thing. You have to do the citizenship thing. That's formality. I have face-to-face conversations. Mm. I learn a lot about people just in conversation. I learn whether or not they're sincere about mm-hmm. being a peace officer or whether or not it's someone just wants to have a sense of authority okay. or tell people what to do. And you can't find those qualities on paper mm-hmm. because, again, someone else can write it or they can write it. Yeah. But yeah. through conversation. Yeah. You can't hide a lot of things. And what I do in those interviews now in government world is certain questions you can't ask. Mm -hmm. But I can ask a lot of the right questions to get the answers that I need to better understand who this applicant is. Mm -hmm. Because, again, the formalities of background checks and applications and reference checks, Mm -hmm. somebody else does that. Yes. But I'm able to have that face-to-face dialogue, and that's what I do for each and every applicant that wants to put on a uniform Mm -hmm. that says something to County Sheriff's Office, because to Mm. me, that's important. And one of the things that's also important, we're short today eight deputies. But that doesn't mean I'm just going to go out and put somebody in uniform to fill those vacancies, Mm -hmm. because I don't want to just put someone in a position that don't want to be there. Because in this line of work, Mm -hmm. peace and officer is very important. And if you're looking to be rich out of the gate, meaning the first thing come out of their mouth, how much money we're going to make? That applicant is not sincere about being that peace officer. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? I feel like the qualities that my officers bring to a situation, to circumstances, bad or good, Mm-hmm. It's priceless. You can't put a dollar sign on a man in uniform or a woman in uniform walking up to a situation, two people arguing, disagreeing, fighting, fussing, whatever the circumstances is. Yeah. It's a little. Can't, I tell you what, let's go in this store, let's all, let's get us a bottle of water and let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. Those are the men and women that do that. And I don't think that they would say, hey, I, I only can do that for $20 an hour. Mm-hmm. They do it because they take seriously the peace officer concept in what we do every day. 
That's beautiful. That's yes. wonderful. And that's definitely what we need. And, yes. and so, yeah, I was going to ask you just kind of what, what do you think the perception from, from Americus or just a city like Americus mm-hmm. when it comes to police officers and, and how do you guys continue to do things that you're describing right now to Correct. kind of help with that perception? Gotcha. Well, of course, perception of police officers in Americus is that we have a community that supports us 110%. This community supports the peace officers that are assigned this area, but we are surrounded by a world of negativity. Okay. We never get a chance to thank the officer for what he did because we're so frustrated about that citation we received based upon a situation we read or heard on the news or read that happened that went the wrong way or, mm-hmm. or end it in a very negative or bad result. But I'm very proud to say that we have a community that support law enforcement and we have a community that if they don't understand something, mm-hmm. that they can connect with law enforcement leaders, they can connect with their government partners. You know, you don't have to uh, uh, send an email and wait five days for a reply or you have to be put on a time slot Mm -hmm. to reach your leaders and your department heads when you have a question about why. And I think that that what makes us most unique here in America's in Sumter County, Mm -hmm. Leslie Plains and Andersonville, we have a relationship because now that helps better them, meaning the public, understand, well, man, now, if that officer had done that out in California this way or over in Texas or Alabama, or why did that officer here, even in America, choose to do the wrong thing? Mm-hmm. Now they understand, guess what? We're humans. Yes. We're not robots. We're humans. We make mistakes. But one of the things that we do is we address those mistakes and don't look for them to be made again. Yeah. Also, they can better understand our concept, why we do what we do, why we do it the way we do it. We had an incident this morning where 10 officers went to arrest John. Like, why so many officers? Well, they failed to realize is that reason why it was so many officers, because somebody's watching your house, the neighbor's house, the traffic going by, and then there's somebody standing there just to answer your question. Mm -hmm. Because a citizen will come up and say, why so many of you all? where we're looking for someone that has been accused of a serious crime. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that we're protecting that person Mm -hmm. and everybody around this situation. And you know what happens, John? Well, I appreciate that because my grandmother lives over there. I sure wouldn't want anything to happen to her. But because you had someone there to take that time. What if I only sent three and they're all engaged in that situation? Nobody has time to talk to the citizens to want to understand, hey, what's going on over there? Mm-hmm. Or whether or not are we in harm's way because it was so many of you all. No, we're focused on this situation, yes. but this is why we all came in this manner to keep everybody safe. Mm-hmm. Now, hey, what we're looking for was not in that house. John is not in there that yep. we were looking for. So now we're gone and everybody is safe. Yeah, People respect that and they yes. better understand it. We still have to give citizens the time to get their two cents in. Mm-hmm. And even if you give them that two cents, but they want to give 20, you can let them know, say, hold it. I got that two cent piece. Let mm-hmm. me go finish this and I'll follow back up with that 18 cents because yes. you still got to give them their full 20 cents worth. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it. I've noticed that too with you know social media and things over the last 10, 15 yes. years. Um, the perception of certain entities yes. 
you know, if it's in uh, another state, for some reason, there's this like, well, that that means all police officers exactly. are doing this. Exactly. Uh, but I've noticed even in some of the recent events where people would call me from different states and say, hey, what's yeah. going on? And, you know, if I was living in Albany or Correct. Americus, what people are experiencing in these other states is not what's happening here because Correct. of things that you're describing. Exactly. Because people know each other. And exactly. they say, yeah, we've got our own issues. we got things that we got to deal with. Exactly. But it ain't that. Exactly. And so that's a huge testament to what you guys yes. are doing is because it's it, it's not spread into this degree because the way that you guys are handling Correct. things. And so I just want to thank you for that. Yes. And it's huge encouragement for me to be a new citizen here and, and knowing that, I mean, I have your personal cell phone number yes. that I can contact contact you yes. or I can contact the department and say yes. hey I have a question here exactly. and and you're not you're not saying okay what is the political answer exactly. you're saying John, this is what I can tell you right now. Exactly. I don't know if it's the right answer, but we're going to go with this route. And exactly. if you need anything else, let me know. Yes. And that's that's huge. Yes. People don't want to be put on a uh, timer. They don't exactly. want to be put on a, a machine and say, exactly. hey, I'll get back to you. So exactly. so thank you for doing that. Yes. I think that's really huge. So let me ask you this. What are, what are kind of the top three calls that your department... Uh, gets uh, on on a daily basis, and 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 we had talked about it a little bit earlier too. Just maybe some things that we as citizens can help prevent some of those gotcha, top calls. Gotcha. Of course, the top calls for service at the sheriff's office would be domestic violence calls, and that's when somebody don't get along: husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend, friends. Even business owners, you know, hey, customer not satisfied. That's the top call that we receive here in Sumter County. I would say the second top call would be some type of traffic infraction. You know, hey, we're in a rural area, you know, there's been an accident or someone has hit a deer or in, in Sumter County, someone has struck a wild hog or an animal in the roadway. And then, of course, the next, I would say the third highest call would be property crimes. And that's mm -hmm. thefts or damage to property. You know, they run over the stop sign, they ran over my fence last night, that type of thing. But domestic violence calls would be the top call volume that we receive at the sheriff's office. And those calls can touch on all of those areas because yeah. now someone ran the stop sign, took down the neighbor's fence. Mm -hmm. But instead of having a gentleman conversation about it, now they're in an argument. That's mm -hmm. labeled as a domestic dispute. But in the midst of that, I discovered that, hey, I had some items that was laying right here as I was working on this fence post that you just tore down that's now missing. So now my top calls are intertwined. And then that one call with domestic violence, uh, um, traffic crimes or traffic mm -hmm. incidents yeah. and then property crimes. Domestic violence calls usually is instigated by some substance, be it drugs and or alcohol. Or yeah. people just don't have control of tempers. Mm -hmm. They're mad, they're angry, they're frustrated. So now again, we're going to defuse that situation by yes ma'am, no ma'am, yes sir, no sir. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, excuse me being polite, being respectful. Even though you're bleeding or you're, you're injured, you have done wrong. Mm -hmm. You're going to jail. You explain that to them. You know, we're not to sneak up on people to identify these are the circumstances. We mm -hmm. explain and take that time to have that conversation, but we also have to maintain control mm -hmm. because now all the onlookers are looking to see what's going on. They're mm -hmm. adding in their two cents worth. So now you got to make sure that that situation doesn't escalate yes. whatever you may be dealing with at that given time. So now 
even dealing with domestic calls, we train our officers what to look for. Whether or not there is chemical uh, substance abuse present, whether or not there's weapons presence, those are things that are automatically giving out to the officers as they respond to that call. But another unique quality that we have here in Sumter County, we know them. We know them. So now when you get out of that car, you're meaning business. You're here to defuse whatever this situation may be, be it a card game, a meal, or I caught someone in my house. Look, look, John, you're upset. Mm -hmm. So you come over here, stand right here and talk to my partner. Let me go inside and talk to this other party. That relationship Mm -hmm. has now diffused a whole situation that could have turned really bad because in domestics, the other Substance there is mm-hmm. emotions. Yes, you have children mm-hmm. present. You have you have uh, uh, adults that are, are are heartbroken by a circumstances or situation that you're responding to. Mm-hmm. So emotions are there as well. And then you have one of the things that we have in the community. Again, being the size we are, now who's going to know? What are my neighbors going to think that I've had to call? law enforcement to my home for a situation like that. So now that kind of teaches her how how to act and how to perform outside of the house. Yeah, that's huge. Mm -hmm. What are some what are some calls in in a positive sense that you wish that you would get more of to help out with our city? I know that you guys do like a anonymous what is called uh, anonymous calls and things like that. What Mm -hmm. are what are some things that that could that are difficult to deal with, but are better in the long run than, correct, than other correct. things. Well, of course, today, unfortunately, we had a um, we found a deceased person in her apartment. She mm-hmm. she lived alone. Uh, family lives out of town, but we don't know who that next of kin is. Mm-hmm. Because of resources that we have here through our governmental entities and approving funds, we have some technology now that we can put in a name, mm-hmm. a, a date of birth, and find people that are connected to this individual. So now the situation went from, I don't know who to call about this lady passing today, mm-hmm. to 30 minutes later, hey, I got a phone number for a possible daughter out of state. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and make that call versus not knowing for a period of time. That's the call. Or this morning, because we're very privileged here in our community, middle school student that's about to undergo a major operation tomorrow. Mm. This morning, I went to his homeroom class and I FaceTimed his class to him in the Children's Hospital in Atlanta. Encouraging him getting ready for his surgery in the morning. Those are the calls of requests of services that we get to connect to the community. Tomorrow, we're going to do a birthday parade for an elderly lady. Next week, we're going to do a cupcake party at the nursing home. Week after that, we're going out to the college and we're just going to play basketball and encourage some of the college kids to, hey, show us how to do it mm-hmm. and let me show you how I do it. Yeah. That's the uniqueness of a community our size. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks ago, we went out to an exercise program. A young lady has a business and it's uh, talking about being physically fit. She wanted to make sure that deputies were in shape and condition. And it was 10 minutes, but it felt like two hours. (laughs) But the most important thing that came out of that was employees from different divisions of the sheriff's office. We was interacting together. The music was there, and we were having a good time. Because guess what else we have to exercise in dealing with those domestics, those traffics, that property crime. 
we have to exercise our minds. That's right. And we have to make sure that we're in a clear state of mind to help others deal with their situations, to be able to make that call to daughter that says to you, I felt like that's what you was going to say. Yeah, yeah. To be able to encourage that young man about a major surgery at the young age of 13, he doesn't even understand the seriousness of it. But now we left him with a smile on his face and a FaceTime phone conversations with all 28 of his classmates and his favorite teacher, by the way, Miss Fulton. Love it. Love it. Yes. Well, I know that when someone calls you uh, for a particular, and normally it's probably a a traumatic event that's going on in their lives, Mm Um, that obviously is something that they have to process on a personal level. But yes. you, every call you get is one of those. So yes. how, how you just you just kind of described a little bit about mm-hmm. that. But I'm always very thankful for our first responders yes. because what you guys have to see every day yes. is sometimes the darkest yes. moments of people's lives, the messiest moments of people's lives. How do you guys stay mentally, spiritually, emotionally healthy through that, uh, through this time of just doing all the time, just engaging mm-hmm. with uh, some of the most difficult times of people's lives? One, they work for Eric Bryant. Love it. Two, we have to smile. We have to laugh. Whatever the circumstances are, we have to digress from that. Mm-hmm. We have to take away from that call you just made what we're doing for lunch today. And then you would think that a deputy response may be, Sheriff, I I can't even think about lunch right now. I just, I feel so sorry for this daughter in that situation. Yes, I feel sorry for her too, but guess what? We got to go get some lunch because, hey, we got a detail coming up. Mm -hmm. Not to put it off, but to let the employees know we still have to move on. Mm -hmm. And doing lunch, you follow back up. Yeah. Hey, that daughter call, she appreciated us calling her about her mom's today. She's catching a flight. She'll be in tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It gives you closure or that arrest you made to be able to give the message back to the arresting officer. John, do you know how powerful it is for someone that you arrest to send message through the jail staff? Man, tell that deputy thank you. Thank you for allowing my wife to pick up the car. Thank you for getting me off the road because, you know, I knew I shouldn't have been drinking and driving. Mm. I knew it. My wife was just fussing at me this morning about I'm going to get caught drinking and driving or driving without a license. Mm -hmm. What that does, we take those moments and we hype them up. Yeah. It could very well be a traffic stop where you wrote three citations, but that call that comes in from that driver that received them or the family of that driver that received them saying, thank you. Wow. Appreciate you doing that because I've told her time and time again, put those children in those car seats. We Mm -hmm. hype that situation up because that's important. And a citizen took the time to make that call. That's huge. Here in Sumter County, the offender realizes that I've tapped out. I I can't do this by myself. Mm. Young lady called our office Monday, John, and she had stolen some items from a local store here in Sumter County. She said, I know I was wrong but I couldn't help it. But if you can come talk to me and take me to the jail, at least now I won't have access. Where do they do that at? Where does the bad guy call law Mm -hmm. enforcement? Now we take that situation as a teaching moment because now 
the resources that we have in Sumter County, we pick up the phone and say, hey, I got an inmate mm -hmm. that's needing your help today. Mm -hmm. So now what we have to do when you apply that, you bring all those partners in. So now a week later, I touch bases back with that deputy. I say, hey, that young lady signed up for that program. She's actually off to a rehab facility getting her some help. She got her children squared away and got the things that they needed. That's how we exercise our mental mind. Yes. And then Friday, we're going to have a cookout. Mm -hmm. So what do you mean we have a cookout? We're bringing the grill out at the sheriff's office, and we're going to grill. We're going to have lunch together today. And that's how we have to do it. And then this summer, we're not just going to have the employees. We're going to bring their families out. And that's what this community does mm -hmm. because now you have to connect. And what it allows is that in the midst of that, John is going to be there. You're going to be there with your camera. You're going to be there with your microphone. The local uh, community pastor is going to be there. Yeah. The, the, the businessman is going to be there. The, the, the person, the counselor that you do talk, talk to in stressful situations, they're going to be there. That's how we exercise our mental mind. And, and doing that, this coming weekend, we're going to remember two of our falling officers. We this year have more participation from our local sheriff's office at this upcoming gala this weekend honoring our two fallen officers because I want them to be able to put on their dress gowns and put on their makeup and get their hair done. Let's have a good time. Yes. And let's interact with the community that supports us, appreciate what we do every single day. Mm -hmm. And at some point, John, in that conversation, I'm going to say thank you. Thank you to them as employees, to the community, and to their families. Because this is an event where you get to bring wife, you yeah. get to bring husband, you get to bring significant other, and we all get to have a good time. Love it. I yes. love it. Well, yes. I know that those officers and, and, and the city uh, needs healthy yes. Uh, healthy officers that are enjoying what they do and able to engage in very difficult circumstances with the right mind. Correct. And so thank you Correct. for continuing to create those rhythms. Yes. Now, every city obviously has crime. Yes. yes. Uh, you're, you know, if, if you think I'm going to live in a city that has zero crime, it, that doesn't exist. Exactly. But, but when we look at crime in, in Americus, what are some, what are some ways that we can see crime Decrease. What are Correct. some What are some ingredients for a good city that is decreasing its crime? Gotcha. The most important and main ingredient is a line of communication. I can't do anything without somebody calling to say this is happening or this is happening. That's the main ingredient. The second ingredient is resources. Our resources, yes, are limited, but we have the resources. So now it's the connectivity. You know, we have these nice patrol cars that the governments and taxpayers provide us to ride in. But, you know, if all the windows are up and we never talk to the public, it defeats the purpose mm -hmm. because that's the public that we're going to need to interact with. So now what we're doing now is engaging in more community programs, community dialogues. Now, what we're finding, though, John, is that the element and the people that we're wanting to reach, they're not coming to our community events. They're afraid of us in uniform. Mm -hmm. So now what we do is we respond to them. Mm -hmm. Fight call comes in at the local ballpark. Domestic disturbance call comes in at the community center. Now we get to go. We go in more than one. We go 
three or four units may respond to that. Mm -hmm. But as we're dealing with that situation, it gives two or three other officers just to engage in conversations. Yes. That conversation builds a relationship. That relationship builds now a potential for an appointment and or commitment. Mm -hmm. So now what we're doing in our community to combat crime is continuing to engage our community, having dialogues just like we're doing today and being very creative about that dialogue. Mm -hmm. You know, it used to be I would get on the microphone or get on the bullhorn and talk to the crowd, Mm -hmm. but the crowd is only limited. Mm -hmm. So now I got to be able to find the element that I'm looking for and the avenues in which I know they're listening. And that's through the technology that we take advantage of today. So now I send messages out or I ask questions because people don't quite understand Mm -hmm. why they pulled me over for that. Mm -hmm. It is so minor and so many other things are going on. Well, that pullover for, say, a tag violation Mm -hmm. established a a relationship between that officer and that citizen, but it also shared with that officer about a more dangerous situation a mile back. Mm -hmm. Glad you stopped me. There's a tree across the road. I had to go all the way around to get past it. Now we're able to save someone else from getting hurt. Well, while dealing with the tree in the roadway, the local neighbor comes out to help. Mm-hmm. I got a question about something. Mm. Relationships and connection. Now, that was a small group that you're interacting with. But that neighbor that came out, John, is going to connect me to a larger group. And that's what we're doing here in Sumter County, to connect with our communities. And that's the biggest piece, yeah. is just taking the communication, the technology, and connecting it to the right people. Mm-hmm. and to allow the opportunity for them to ask questions. They don't understand why I do what I do or where I go, where I go. So yeah. let's talk about it. Yes. Let's dialogue about it so now you'll better understand. You may not still agree, but guess what you're doing? You took the time to mm-hmm. explain. And that goes back to that two cents worth to give them that full 20 cents worth of conversation. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're looking, and part of that question too is looking kind of towards the future. Correct. What 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 things can we do now that kind of gives us this this beautiful picture of where we want to go? Correct. Uh, you know, every city needs to thrive. It doesn't Correct. mean that it's going to grow numerically, but every city needs to thrive. And that, if that thriving means growing or staying the same, Correct. you want to have that that element of Correct. we're excited, we want to be here, we want to engage yes. in the things that are happening. We want to stay. You know, we would love. To the college students to come and mm-hmm. stay and invest here, mm-hmm. invest their their ideas, their creativity yes. right here in the city. And so, and, and part of that too is, you know, when we think about uh, crime, we think about people that have lost, uh, may, maybe have lost something Correct. or they don't have a strong identity, Correct. they don't have a strong purpose, yes. or they they don't feel like they have the resources to be able to do something great. Correct. And, and even some people that have um, that have, have broken laws and, and are criminals are actually really, really smart. And mm-hmm. if they would just apply that or they knew they could apply it to somewhere exactly. else, they could have a top-tier job, top yeah. job somewhere because of how smart that exactly. is, how genius that is. Yes. So so I think about, when we think about the future of Americus, you know, we think about being productive, mm-hmm. helping people to know that they're valued, that people care about them. Correct. And that those are some of those small conversations that you're having is, hey, there's value here. Yes. You're you're a valuable person. You're you're not defined by this one action Correct. or by the actions that others have done to you. Uh, but you have purpose and you need to see 
that we need to be responsible for the things that we're doing, but at the same time, this doesn't have to define you. Exactly. These actions don't have to define you. And so what are some things that you think about in the future of Americus that would help the young, uh, young college students mm-hmm. or young students to, to just enjoy life and not find themselves in bad situations? Exactly. The family element is in the needs improvement section. But one of the things in Sumter County, Georgia, the family element is so private. They don't want you to know their shortcomings. They don't want you to know their deficiencies. They don't want you to know how they live because they're embarrassed or they're ashamed. So one of the things that we have to do is try to find a way. And when I say try, we have to connect Mm -hmm. to the family element. We have to connect to that single mom or that single dad. We're already through our school-based programs. We're establishing a connection with our young people, Mm -hmm. but... If we haven't connected to the head of that household, and we have barriers. I mean, if a child has a burn mark, you know, by law, we can't disclose certain things or our medical facilities can't disclose certain things. Mm -hmm. Or if you have a situation where a child may become to school hungry, there are certain privacy laws that protects that. But guess what happens when we're involved in that? Mm -hmm. Guess what happens when we're on the scene where the ambulance got called to that situation where that child got burned? Now we have firsthand knowledge of a situation that we can direct the resources Mm -hmm. to them. What happens is... We're so prideful as a people, and we're so private. We don't want people to know our hardships or our shortcomings, but now what we want to do is show that your local law enforcement, be it sheriff's office or police officer, we reported this to the Department of Family and Children's Services, or we reported this to this organization or this group of individuals that want to help. Now... It gives those community partners, those stakeholders in these communities, a connection to that head of household. You know what? This is why you're having that problem. Or let me help you with a situation. And I think that connection will help allow our secondary education community here, our college and our universities. It gives those young people a sense of ownership here in their communities because now... Not only did he write you a ticket, but he helped you change the tire as well. And that's what we're working on now. And we're looking at different ways of being able to get into that home. Mm -hmm. John, I drive a school bus every morning. Every morning I run a bus route for pre-K through sixth grade students in uniform. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I do is I have a relationship with 50 kids Mm. that maybe don't understand law enforcement or look forward to being in law enforcement one day. Mm -hmm. But along with those children, it comes that parent question. Once a week, I'm going to get a parent to ask about a jail or community or law enforcement-related question. I have a stack of cards down the bus. Call me. I'll be finished here in 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. That connection with that head of household, that single mom or that single dad now has established a relationship because you got to give people a sense of being comfortable. You got to be comfortable with them. You know, hey, maybe don't embarrass someone in that situation. You don't want me to come to your home. I tell you what, I'm going to pull down the street. I'm going to go get my truck. Mm-hmm. 
and I'll meet you there just to have that conversation and connect them people or those families with the resources that they need to get them the help they need. That's what we're unique about. And that's moving forward. What we're encouraging citizens to do, mm-hmm. reach out, ask those questions and or see when you're comfortable with me, mm-hmm. when you're comfortable with our officers out serving and protecting, then you'll be more than willing to share that information. Yes. There's nothing more powerful than a mom to say, he has done this, I see this, he has this in his room, he has this in the shed, mm-hmm. he's sleep now. If y'all come, there won't be as much conflict. Yeah. Now we are able to remove an element, but we've established a level of trust with a person yeah. that had doubt about turning in his or her son or his or her child, yes. his or her daughter. They had doubts. But because of the relationship. That's huge. That's huge. able to do that. Yes, it is. And I know that every child grows up, and um, and I even see this with my children, mm-hmm. is they are trying to find, uh, whether uh, subconsciously or consciously, they're trying to find the boundaries. They want to know what the boundaries are. Correct. And if we don't do a good job at explaining where the boundaries are, or at least hold them accountable to those boundaries, they just keep pushing yes. the boundaries. Yes. And what you guys are doing is saying, hey, we want to come alongside of the families mm-hmm. to say, these are the good boundaries. In fact, you, you can even have tighter boundaries as a family, exactly. but someone needs to let them know yes. that there are boundaries and yes. these are good for them. I mean, yes. I think about with my kids all the time, you know, we put them in the fence. What we're saying is, is inside this fence, we know that you're going to be the safest. You can Correct. go outside, but this is the safest thing that we can give you. Exactly. So go and play, have a good time, yes. but you're not, if you don't go outside of this, you're going to to be completely safe. Exactly. And that's what we're trying to explain when it comes to our family dynamics, mm-hmm. our family rules, but also the city uh, with the with the city officials, we're saying, here's the boundaries. Yes. Because if they don't learn the boundaries, they're going to keep pushing them yes. and it's going to get worse and worse and yes. worse. Somebody's going to meet them and mm-hmm. say, you're not going any further exactly. and you don't want it to be too far down the road. Exactly. And that's, those are the things that you're yes. describing too. Yes. And I think that's so healthy. So, so let me, let me ask you this kind of, we're kind of getting ready to land the plane a little bit. Give me a, give me your definition of what does community look like? What does community mean to you? Mm-hmm. To me, community means a group of people together. Togetherness is important. Mm-hmm. Accepting each other for who they are, how they are, the way they are. Mm-hmm. That's community. Diversity is what we're unique about here in Sumter County. We're a diverse community, but we know each other. Mm-hmm. We understand each other. And we come together when the time of need. Community is not just the men and women, the boys and girls. Community is our infrastructure. The community is our industry. The community is our land base. Mm -hmm. That's all a part of the community that makes us what we are. Because now that business element has to be supported by that same community, those same individuals. We want to support that business element by shopping there. We want to support that business element by working in that community. So now what we're working on is being able to bring that that industry also to this community. That's huge. And that's what it takes because sometimes people look at community as... The, the Board of Commissioners or the City Council. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the community is even that humane society. Mm-hmm. The community is even at the family farm. Mm-hmm. 
the communities, even those DOT workers that keep the roads where we can pass them and our public works people, we're all part of that community. And it takes all of us to have a community that we want to live in. Mm-hmm. And what better way to support the community when you let them know the good as well as the bad? Yeah. Today we arrested a fugitive that we had posted on our Facebook page as wanted. He's been wanted for about a week and a half. He knew we wanted him. Mm-hmm. But today we was able to take him into custody. And John, we was able to take him into custody without fight, without friction, without anybody getting upset. Because guess what? The community knew and he knew. Mm. that he was wanted by law enforcement. Everybody ends the day peacefully. He now accepts responsibility for his actions. Officers go home safe. And what does community do? Mm -hmm. Appreciate you for keeping us safe. Yeah. That's what community does. I love it. Everything. I love it. We... As I mentioned before several times on the podcast, we moved in April of last year, and mm-hmm. one of the first things we wanted to do was hit the ground running and just meet our neighbors, yes. get meet to people around us. And this idea of being vulnerable, mm-hmm. this idea of being honest, yes. this idea of uh, being respectful of yes. other people, um, even when it comes to just the normal elements of how you interact with your children, getting out of the car, your pets, all mm-hmm. of those things. You know, mm-hmm. you want to be, which is one of the things about this podcast is learning what it means to be a next level neighbor, neighboring yes. well together. And yes. so my son and I, we go play in the basketball court right, out, uh, right outside of Reese Park. Mm-hmm. And I tell my son, every time we go out there, if we don't know a person, we go and we introduce ourselves, exactly. we get a chance to hear from them, we, we say, hey, can we play with you? Yeah. So th- this idea of getting out, getting out of your comfort zone just a yes. little bit to meet people where yes. they are, to enjoy people, to to, to be a learner, yes. I think is so impactful, and it builds that relationship as you're describing, uh, and you guys are modeling that as, as law enforcement to say, hey, if we look more like this... Yes. We will get less calls, and we will be okay with that, exactly, uh, because that gives us more time to go and hang out and play basketball. Yes. You know, with yes. the, with the local yes. community. So, uh, so let me go ahead and do this. We we do a couple of rapid fire questions at the end, and okay. these are kind of just more personal to you, so gotcha. that we can just enjoy getting to know you a little bit more. Yes. Uh, so we talked. We didn't talk much about high school, but what was your favorite class in high school? <laughs> high school, my favorite class, I would have to say, would have be. Um, we had a work study class, um, and the name of the class was um, um, Mr. Steve Hollis was my instructor, and uh, the work study class it taught you, it, it gave us the foundations of working. Nice. I enjoyed working. My dad always kid me. He said, "Well, he was tall enough to play basketball, but if you throw him a ball, he's just gonna kick it out of the way, and he's going to work." But that class, and, and it, it, was, it wasn't quite home economics, but it was something similar to that. Mm-hmm. But it, it, not only did you get a chance to leave campus and go work at a job site, but in high school, my work-study class was my most favorite class. Um, wow. I was a B student, mm-hmm. um, and I B merrily out of there. <laughs> but in that, I had a chance to have awesome teachers that saw qualities and characteristics in myself that encouraged me to not only make that B, but to keep pushing for that A. But my favorite class would have to have been uh, our work-study class at Mr. Steve Hollis. And again, that was a half a day. Yep. And then I was able to go work-study. And I was even fortunate enough, John, I had a work-study class in the front office of the high school. I worked right alongside with the assistant principal, 
processing uh, tardy slips or discipline slips and, and just that right type up of your thing. alley. Just get, so, just get you so more and more prepared. So, what better place to get work experience <laughs> than working in the front office with the assistant principal? I love it. Yes, okay, all right. Uh, another quick question: How do you like your steak? Medium rare. That's the only way to do it. Yes, and that was a learn likeness because I used to be a well done man because yep. that's what I was taught. You yep. know, you don't eat food that's not done. <laughs> but life has taught me medium rare and it gets the softness in the meat. Okay. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, what is, do you have a favorite Hollywood portrayal of a police officer? Something that you've seen in movies or TVs, you're like, I like that. They, they do that well, or it's funny, and that just makes you laugh when you think well, about that. Well, the only downside to it, because he is so outdated, but Andy Griffin okay. is my model. He is the gentleman that maybe don't always make sure that his uniform pants is over his boots, mm -hmm. but he has connection with the community. And sometimes even now I watched Andy Griffin show and I tell my family that I'm on the job training <laughs> when I'm watching the Andy Griffin show. Because to me, yeah. 2023 law enforcement shows are so unrealistic mm -hmm. now because now you still got to have relationship with the people that you're interacting with. Yeah. And what better law enforcement guy that maybe said a bad word or maybe was over-friendly at times, but at the same time, he stood firm mm -hmm. in what he meant. And yep. he was able to keep a community safe without any weapons, without the artillery of what we have today. Yes. It was through communication. Love that. That's I love it. that. That's All it. right. And is my man. What is uh what's what's playing on your radio or in your car right now? When you when you turn it on, what 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 are you gonna hear? When I turn on my radio, I'm going to hear police radio traffic. That's all I listen to. Be it my deputies, police department, fire department, EMS. And I even tell the manufacturer, you can actually take that radio and put it in somebody else's vehicle. And I don't know why, but that's what I enjoy listening to. Mm -hmm. I listen to gospel. I listen to country. I listen to R&B. I yeah. like that music. But if you go out there to my patrol vehicle right now, you're going to hear police radio traffic. Love it. Love it. <laughs> you hear a tin code. Love it. What do you? Do? What are some things that you do to relax? I have conversations with new people in the mm -hmm. community, just like I'm doing today. Yeah. I enjoy being outside, mm. even if it's just sitting there. I have ridden my ride more so, so I had to take my ride more to the shop. Mm -hmm. to get a set of tires put on my riding mower. Yeah. The mower didn't break, I wore out the tires. I yeah. love riding more. I love cutting grass. And yeah. what it does, is it gives me a moment to, it's loud, but I can't hear nothing else. Mm -hmm. So now I'm able to think, I'm able to enjoy. And of yes. course, I love other outdoor activities, but yes. mainly, I even have to remind myself to get out of uniform before I get on it. I, you may mm -hmm. ride by my house and see me in full uniform <laughs> yeah. on my yeah. ride mower. Love I tell people all the time, that's my second patrol car, my that's ride That's funny. Yes. That's great. That, that instantaneous, though... Uh, uh, feel of watching it being cut mm -hmm. is just so enjoyable because yes. yes. sometimes you know depending on what your what your job is is it takes sometimes several yes. weeks months exactly. years to actually see results you're like well this is exactly. awesome I love this if it's not straight uh, done I will yeah. redirect the pattern yeah. and cut the whole yard over again <laughs> I love it <laughs> alright last last question if you could go anywhere in the world where would you go and, and why I would go to my office 
And what it is yeah. is that there at my office, I'm able to connect to everything mm. in my world. Yeah. Because I can bring my family there. I can reach them on the phone. Mm-hmm. I can connect with the community there. I can finish out a couple of emails. I connect to my employees. Mm-hmm. I can connect to my friends. Yeah. You know, because one of the things that my office, the environment, it's the family environment. Yeah. Because one of the things that I want to do is show people, hey, this is a family organization. We're brothers and sisters here at yes. this job. Yes. Now, granted, yes, I want to be at home with my children and my wife and, you know, go to the reunions. But guess what? They're all doing their own individual thing as well. Mm-hmm. So now we have to connect. So now when we connect. So my favorite place is going to be sitting at my desk. I have an awesome desk chair <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm able to do so many different things. Mm-hmm. That's why I would be. That's amazing. Yep. Well, Sheriff Eric Bryant, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It means a lot to me yes. to be able to hear from uh, from my sheriff about how much he loves his, the county, how yes. much he loves this city, yes. and and how much you're you're not just trying to get the next bad person out, but you're actually trying to help a city be restored That's in correct. any way possible, and to do it in such a way that. Everyone can benefit in some Most way, definitely. and so thank you so much for that. Yes. That's a, that, that's a, definitely a shining star on a hill, right, yes, uh, yes. Americus? And so that's it. thank you so much for that. And we we we're going to continue to pray for you as you Most continue definitely. to do some amazing things right yes, here in the city. Yes, yes, and being homegrown, a religious man, I'm a member of a Lebanon Baptist Church out in Plains, and I'm a part of that ministry and the gov and the and the administration of the mm-hmm. church. So I'm able to connect mm-hmm. now to people that may be. And need that way. And John, that allows me to be able to connect with so many groups of people, so yes. many families, and so many friends. In the morning, we're going to be praying for the young man I mentioned for that's getting ready to undergo major surgery. Mm-hmm. That's outside of the spectrum of law enforcement. But that's directly in line with community engagement. Amen. That's it. Love it. Thank, thank you so you. much, Sheriff. And thank you for allowing us to be here. All right. Somebody was supposed to say cut or that's no, a wrap no. or something. That, you just said this it. is you awesome. You just said it. This is awesome. This is awesome. And <laughs> no, it gives, thank you so much. I think, John, when I do this, though, I can hear what I'm saying because guess what? If we talk about implementing things and we yes. never put it to action, yes. how are we going to change? Yeah. But what happens is this is my 